This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. So here's the question. In an industry where the rules were written over a century ago and the world of business that we work in keeps changing, how do accountants like us grow our business and its people to their full potentials, stay agile and keep ahead of the game? How do we build scalable businesses, create working cultures no one wants to leave, win new clients, stop trading hours for dollars and establish ourselves as the client's central advisors? That's the question and this show explores the answers. Welcome to the In Demand Accountant. I'm your host, Sam Dean, and I'm on a mission to transform and modernize the accounting industry and help ambitious accountants like yourselves double your revenues, work less hours, and enjoy life even more. Stay tuned and enjoy some brave conversations. Welcome to the In Demand Accountant and today's episode 50. My name is Esther Ramdari, and I'm your host just for today. I've actually kicked Sam out of the hosting chair and I'm going to be interviewing her for a change. Just to give you a bit of background on myself, I've been working with Blueprint HQ for quite a bit of time, now over three and a half years. And recently this financial year, I became a director as well, which I'm super excited about, especially as Blueprint continues to grow and particularly going into 2021, where we will be turning up the heat, so to speak. I really feel that 2021 is a new chapter for all of us. I've been in professional services for most of my career, working with a few big four and mid-tier firms, and now working with smaller firms through Blueprint, usually the one to 10 partner firms. So I've been involved in the industry across the scale. In this space, there's a lot to learn, and I don't mean to be rude, but there's also a lot not to learn from some of the bigger guys that I've worked with. And we implement some of these processes that are already embedded in some of the bigger firms, tailored, of course, to a different market in our programs. So this being our 50th episode is a milestone in podcasting. And for us, it's been one year since Sam launched the podcast, which is an amazing achievement. In actual fact, not many shows actually reach this far in stages. A lot of shows start and they drop off. So this is really good. This is an achievement. So let's get into it. Thanks for being on the show, Sam. Thanks for being on your own show, having me on board as the host for today. Welcome. Well, thank you, Esther. And thank you. Thank you for coming on board um, the Blueprint HQ journey. I've really appreciated the support over the last three and a half years, so much so that now you're in the business as well. So I'm super excited about that, super excited about being interviewed on my own show. I must admit there's a level of discomfort in it, but um, as you know, I like a little bit of discomfort, weirdly. Mm, I know you do. <laughs> I think that's where you thrive. That's where I've yeah. seen you thrive. So because you're on the ground working with accountants across the country, obviously not face-to-face because of COVID, but if people can't get in touch with you, it's because you're with accountants. You're busy. You're training them. You're, you're with them. You're coaching them. You're consulting them. And this is why I wanted to interview you. And I wanted to see how, hear a little bit of how COVID has played out, but mostly because you know firsthand what the environment is like out there for accountants at all levels, 
You work with the owners and the partners, but also closely with all staff in a firm, including the admin staff. Obviously, this helps us get maximum engagement in our program. And you know what they're saying and you know how they're collectively feeling. So do you want to tell us a little bit about where you think we are right now in the industry? Great question. And I think that this actually hasn't just all been instigated. My answer is going to be instigated by COVID. I think that this has been a build-up over, you know, decades. And I think there's a little bit of how people are feeling right now um, and not realising is a bit of like the boiling frog, if you like, is that we've had this slow heat on us for a long period of time. And COVID, I am surprised, hasn't probably instigated some of the changes that I would have thought or the awareness. And I think a lot of this is for sure because of how committed we are to our clients. And there's been so much change coming from a legislation point of view and, a, you know, legislation dropping and the reliance on accountants, tax accountants in particular. I'm obviously, I'm talking about tax advisory and tax compliance accountants here particularly, um, which is mainly our space. So, we haven't actually you know, gone through some of the changes that maybe other industries and stuff have because we haven't, it hasn't changed our day-to-day. All it is is actually ramped it up in a way. Mm -hmm. So, I think how people are thinking and feeling right now, I think we're tired. I think that everyone's exhausted. We haven't had the um, break that we would have normally had in July and August. But two, I feel that this is undercurrent of you know, particularly in people who are starting to see it and feeling it, you know, is there a better way and can we change right now? And so, yeah, I think that that's where people are right now. I think too, there just needs to be a lot of of work. I was speaking to an industry membership body the other day and they're going, well, if this doesn't cause change in the industry, what will? Um, What's happened with Mm -hmm. COVID? But I think COVID is an isolated event for sure. But we've seen things like this happening before, and this has been a build-up over time. So it's not – I'm getting a little frustrated with, you know, unprecedented words and, and stuff like that, for sure. But we need to look at ourselves overall, not just what's happened um, recently. I think what's happened recently is actually just showing us how valuable we are and how much more we have to take care of ourselves. And these are the lessons that we need to learn from that. Hmm, for sure. And when you say the build-up, what exactly in your mind is the build-up over time? Is it that the same pattern of being on that hamster wheel of the compliance deadlines being overwhelming and causing that burnout that you're talking about and fatigue? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Oh, great question. Yes, absolutely. This is the, as you said, hamster wheel, such a great definition of it, metaphor for it, is that every year we spin it and we've got two flicks on it. We, we get really super busy up to December, then really super busy up to June because of the deadlines. And we get on this wheel and everyone goes, I want to get off it. But then you start again mm. and you think that the change needs to happen. At some time, we need to throw a spanner in it. What COVID's done is actually spun that hamster wheel faster. And it's going to fling us off it in a minute. And I, I want to get ahead of that, be really proactive and help people actually stop. Because at the end of the day, I know that actually stopping and jumping off the hamster wheel is actually the way to slow it down and to actually instigate change. And it actually creates more time and more ability mm. to change, which is counterintuitive to how we're trained. So that's happened, you know, since 1911. We've been doing very similar things for a long time. 
because I look outside a lot of other industries, done a lot of work with other businesses and other industries, also look at influences outside our industry as well. And we haven't gone through the disruption that many others have. Digital disruptions, because we haven't had the behavior disruptions, if you like. We haven't had some other thing come in and disrupt our industry. So this has been happening for a long period of time. So it's how do we get in front of that? And how do we actually start thinking about how we can get off this hamster wheel? Because if we don't, my heart's broken. I feel that I'm seeing a lot of people who are super unhealthy, stressed, and we have magic in what we do. And it's time to start really, you know, seeing that there's another way to do this. And there is another way. It's important for us and it's super important for our clients as well and our staff if you have them or if your staff are your leaders too. Mm, For sure. So if we don't change then, what do you think is going to happen? Great question, Esther. We're already seeing some of this happening. You know, back when I started sort of nearly 30 years ago, we had this real process of how we, you know, people came into our industry, you know, through doing commerce or business, and we're not seeing that all these people coming in and then we're seeing people actually leaving the industry. And Mm, the leaving of the industry has been happening for a long time. However, we're not getting the people coming up to replace. And I think we're seeing a lot of that happening at the moment. So we're, we're turning around going, who's going to replace us or who's going to take the next stage or we're flattening out these structures that we are in at the moment, whereas, you know, we're, our actual industry is based on a more, you know, very hierarchy or patriarchal structure of top mm-hmm. um, and then different levels. That's all breaking down now. And we're not getting the funnel up. And we're seeing an exodus and we're seeing lots of particularly women from 35 to sort of 55 leave the industry. I actually left the industry myself, you know, in my story. But then what we're also seeing is the millennials or the younger generation either not coming in because there's so many different things that you can do from a bachelor of business and into that funnel. There's, you know, Earlier on, there was one or two majors you could do in that. Now there's eight or nine, and we're definitely seeing that. And then what we're also seeing is people coming into this industry in the first two or three years, millennials, if you like, and then leaving the public practice kind of area, if you like. They're either taking their accounting skills into different areas or they're moving across because they came in, they really thought it was going to be a relationship-based business, Honestly, the reason I came into it 30 years ago was for relationships and it was like that. I saw my grandfather, you know, I used to sit in his office and see him basically talk to people all day in a very structured way and now that's not happening particularly for the young generation of accountants. So, you know, how do we solve this? Yeah, for sure. And millennials living. I was just going to say, exactly on what you're saying, I've seen that this firsthand. As a millennial myself, and I have lots of friends in the industry, and I've been married a CA as well, who started as an accountant but has left the industry for various reasons. But one of the reasons that you were mentioning is that my husband just wanted more client engagement. So a a role where he could really utilize his people skills with clients Mm -hmm. um, more one-on-one on a daily basis and that's not to say that that doesn't happen in the industry it just there's this linear projection that tends to happen before you can get to that stage in a lot of businesses just structurally so i found that 
from my accounting friends, about 50-50 have stayed in the industry now and others have gone to other fields. So why do you think the firms aren't necessarily meeting the expectations of millennials? Well, I'm not a millennial myself, obviously. <laughs> Gen X, but... You know the inner workings. Yes, yeah, I you, do. I, like, I guess, yeah, of how they run their businesses. I think because we don't have the structure and the visibility of how you can get from an entry level up into different levels. I also think we haven't changed our models to meet the changes that are going on. Also, processing itself, where we used to get a lot of our really, um, you know, hardcore experience has just gone and the technology and everything coming in. And I, I don't think as leaders, we switched our models. I don't think we really understand that. And I think you said it earlier too, you know, what would that actually look like? And then we've got sort of the middle tier leaders coming up. And I was very guilty of this as well when I was in this area going, well, this is what I did. So I think everyone else should do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm standing on my own here and not this is my own personal. I I this as well. So, you know, having part-time partners into a business, I remember sitting at a boardroom table and saying that that shouldn't be done. Super embarrassed about it now. But, you mm. know, back then that's w- what it was. That's a I common belief. It's a common belief, but you don't see other business structures, other business people with investors and, you know, all of these new style of businesses that are coming up saying things like that. Like, mm, you know, sure. splitting the investment in a business to the production in a business is, is what needed. And I've seen firms successfully do that as well. Particularly as I, this is not a men and women thing. Men want to work part-time too. So, you know, there's that. So there's the, the lack of flexibility within our ownership models to start off with. Then there's the systems and processes of how do we get people better into conversation skills and actually, you know, intertwine this so you don't, because processing is going for sure. And it's not even processing now, it's data management. So we need new styles of different styles of people who can help us with that. But we haven't seen the cliff face of that yet because most of our clients' data still needs some kind of cleaning up. And when you're coming and you've done a three or four year degree, you don't want to be coming in and processing. No one wants to do that. So what we are doing then is attracting people who do want to do that. And they're not necessarily the people who, and then we get frustrated because it's like they will, you know, they don't talk to people well or, or build that relationship. But we've created that to a certain extent. So then we have to have actual training within our firms to say, how do we bring these guys up? And what's more important from a, just from a business sense, not, you know, because business are people, is these people, we need to do this because that's the next generation of account clients as well. We don't have in our structures the funnel of the next generations coming through traditionally like we used to. We also don't have the clients because we used to get all our clients in to do their tax returns. Everybody had to have an accountant to do it, a tax agent to do their tax returns. No more. You know, under 35, 5s now, less than 50% will lodge through a tax agent. So they're sitting on, yes. they're not sitting on our databases like the way they used to. So we need people, we need those clients to be our new clients, generational clients, to be able to see themselves in our client base, in, in our leaderships and stuff. And they can't see that either. 
And then we need also the people coming out, whether that generationally they need to be able to see themselves. A lot of times when we interview, one of the big frustrations and what's what I really want to help change, and this is is that our leadership is getting older, like a lot of businesses, like a lot of industries, and a lot of the people who do wouldn't aren't aspiring to take these businesses over either. So even if they are staying in the accounting industry, they don't necessarily want to be owners or partners or whatever you want to call yourselves, ourselves. So, you know, at the end of the day, Blueprint HQ, if you want to have a look at us, is an accounting practice. I mean, I'm a practicing accountant. We still have to hold practicing certificates and do all that sort of stuff. And our ownership structure is completely different. So if you want to look to the future, you look to what could that look like and who's going to come in as owners well, really, who's going to come in as owners for me are the people who are going to contribute most to the business. And there's different aspects of business as well. So this is all about changing our models and also changing ourselves. Because if we don't start with ourselves, you can't change. It's an internal job, unfortunately. I have tried very hard to get around that. <laughs> but I know that the more I develop myself, my business will grow. It sucks, yeah, it but feels like- that's true. These are very fundamental changes that you're talking about as well. These aren't just surface things to tweak. These are at the core business, like changing business models and changing yourself fundamentally because I think that's where the change in business comes from, don't you think, when you work on yourself because I've seen you work on yourself <laughs> and I see how, how hard it is for you and sometimes you struggle a lot and but then – Again, I'll notice that you're just not the same person you were last week or even six months ago or this time next year. So the change and the work you do is constant, isn't it? It is. And um, what we're, we're talking big stuff here and you have to you know, bring it down to small, small, small steps. And what I do is actually small, small steps. But what I've realized mm-hmm. a long time ago, and this is hard work, what we need to do as an industry is hard, but nothing. If it was easy, we would have all done it. Like if it wasn't fundamental change that we need, we wouldn't be having this conversation because we would have already changed. We wouldn't be on the hamster wheel. We wouldn't be exhausted and fatigued. And I feel that this needs to shake up. There's no easy solution to this. If there was, we would have already done it. And this is not just about our industry. This is unfortunately about life in general as well. It, it's just what it is. And, you know, I'm not doing the industry any favors. And I can tell you nobody did me any favors all the way through with this. Yes, just go to a conference or do this once or put this technology in and all of this sort of easy stuff. As humans, we really want, and I do too, I would love a quick fix. But I know yeah. <laughs> I tried all the quick fixes. None of them worked. They don't, and it's not to say that if you do small things, constantly learning. So for me, the biggest thing I changed is the constant learning, just looking and being curious and being courageous. And I see that in the firms that are really, the people that we work with that have really expanded well. And of course, this takes time as well. It takes time and we have this really warped accountants probably more than most. And this is why I think I struggled with it. The idea that you need to take time to make time is really unnatural for us because if we do that, well, we're going to miss out on all those hours we could have charged and we've got to shift that. I've proven that the more time you take to do something, the more you scale and leverage it. And that's actually the same with money too. 
it's all energy. So, and that's really weird for an accountant to say. And if you told me I'd say something that like that six years ago, I would have actually wouldn't know what you were talking about. But you know, that's where we're at, and it's just fundamental change. But fundamental change comes one step at a time. <laughs> and, okay, that makes it sound less daunting, then, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> just small steps consistently. Small Consistent steps, and it's like any kind of change, whether it be weight loss, health, saving. You know, our whole superannuation industry is based on this. Any kind of tax works based on this. It's the small things you do all the time that yeah. get you to where you want to go. First of all, you need to know where you want to go, and it is that fundamental change, and that's what's so hard. And I want to get in front of the game for the, you know 2021 for sure, and start changing that because we've got to get these. We've got to get off the hamster wheel. Yeah, it's got to happen. So I feel like we've got some really great client success stories, clients we've worked with as well. And they were really prepared for the changes that happened and have done even better in 2020 than previous yes. years. I mean, we had Annette Tasker on one of the previous episodes and she really went into how she was able mm-hmm. to do really well even in the beginning of COVID. So talking about change, and I feel like it's going to be something around that, but what separates the clients that have done really, really well to the ones that are still, I guess, from the rest, from the other firms who are still trying to make changes? Well, of course, everyone who comes and works with us is going to help and change. So obviously that's one thing, isn't it? But I think if I look at the people who have really seen change, and this is not just obviously for accounting firms that we're seeing that are working with us. There's also some others that are, you know, friends and, and whatever, is that they're curious. Even though they're doing okay, they know they have this innate curiosity about them that they can just, how can I make this a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And they also know it's not a quick mm. fix. There's no one's done. And that they, they, they just got to stick to course and keep going. So Annette, you know, this uh, Mark Collegiate has also been on. Amanda Kennepak's not a client, but someone that we work closely with. There's a whole stack of people there who, and are looking and thinking about other ones that have made different sorts of changes. It's that slow consistency, and that that's that actual curiosity of the kind of innovation thing of how do I make this better today, every day. It's really, and yeah. this is what drives me as well, and I know it drives you too. That's where we need to be, and to get that, you need to take all of them have taken the time to actually to do it and they had the foundations in before 2020 hit as well and I think too that's just how you meet disruption you know 2020 has just been a COVID's a disruption technologies is a disruption all I can guarantee going forward guys is that there will be more disruption whatever that looks like mm, sure. um, I just I just want accountants to be the disruption that we don't we can move our businesses by being a little bit more agile and I think, too, agility is something that's thrown around, but agility comes from getting your systems and your processes right. It's really boring stuff, really. Systems and processes <laughs> right so you can shift them fast. Your people understand them so they don't have to think about their everyday stuff. They can just do it. And then the decisions can be made on the stuff that needs to be made up front. We do everything differently all the time. So we take a lot of energy and fatigue and a lot of right, you know, and that's where a lot of our write-offs and everything come from that we don't have that space then to be able to sit down and say, okay, you guys just continue what I do. I'm going to go over here and see how I can make this change. 
So circling back, I want to go back to where you said you want accountants to be the disruption. What does that mean, be the disruption? It's not just about Um, meeting it head on. There's something more to it, obviously. Sure. Because I always, I mean, and you've seen us changing the messaging on this a little bit as well, is that meeting disruption head on means that we don't control the disruption. We've got to take control back because we haven't oh, okay. control over our industry ever. And what I mean yeah. by that is, and I'm talking tax here, guys, definitely tax and tax legislation or any kind of compliance work, whether it be superannuation, financial planning or tax or whatever, is we are on the beck and call of the ATO and the ATO is on the beck and call of politicians. So we, since 1911, when the first Tax Act dropped for the war, and it was only supposed to be in there for a short period of time and it never went away. And then it was 1936, 1997, et cetera, et cetera. And now we're dealing with eight pieces of tax legislation right now. And COVID is a great example of how all our businesses basically had to drop tools and respond. So we are actually controlled by an external force. It just so happens it's really worked for us for a very long period of time. So to be the disruption... We have to take control back over our businesses. Now, I am not saying that we get rid of the ATO. Absolutely not. We need to stick to this. But what we do need to make our businesses more able to move and our people more able to move. So when something like happens to COVID, we can say, fantastic, great opportunity. Guys, you go over there. So we have to increase capacity first. Then that will increase our capability of actually doing that. We don't necessarily increase capacity by people. We can increase capacities by getting better systems in, better processes in, and, you know, different styles of people if necessary. So, you guys go over there, you get the JobKeeper and everything going. Now, our businesses can't do that because we go, oh, well, that's my client. I've got to deal with the JobKeeper stuff. So, our actual structures are wrong. We can't do that. Also, our processes can't shift that fast on it. If you've seen some big pivots in businesses like the digital one, uh, you know, technology has pivoted really fast. I mean, how quickly did it get to your technology guys to get COVID apps out? No mm-hmm. time at all because they were able, they built capacity, they built the decision-making framework. They said, okay, guys, we can take those guys off there, they go over there, everyone else continuing core business. We didn't yeah. do that. We couldn't do that. Very generally, some people did, but just as a generalization. And – that's what I mean by being disruption. So when things yeah, so happen, I see, so I see then the control you're talking about is also it sounds like to me controlling the conversation as well. So instead of all the external factors and things happening around us, we're we're controlling the conversation that and the messaging that's going out to market. We're no longer saying clients don't believe this or clients won't want this, or we're meeting clients where they are, what they value, and really staring that conversation mm-hmm. as well, which is a bit of a shift from what it's been, would you say? Yes, of course. We haven't controlled any of these aspects, as you said, the conversation, and even the conversation with the digitalization has been controlled more by the zeros and everything of the world as well. So zero has a great marketing thing. It's a, it's a amazing product. We use it ourselves, but they've been telling people that and their software is beautiful, and it is from a from a user interface point of view, from a, an accounting point of view. You know, people have frustrated about it. But a really good example of somebody who actually really controls the messaging, as you're talking about, is Zero. 
So Zero has mm. gone out and actually the beautiful software and really bought a real journey and actually hit and the client's needs, as you were talking about. People want yeah. to be able to control their own financial stuff and they made it look easy. Now, we know as accountants that perhaps that's not right and we are still some of the, the fundamental behaviours that sit behind messy data that was with the green cash books has gone across to zero or the digitalization, and the AI is not there to fix that stuff up yet. But zero has really mastered that conversation. Then what would be great if we could then master a bit more of the conversation and with our clients. So zero's mastering that conversation. The ATO is mastering their conversation. Then on top of that, we've got the media saying it's all easy, and it's not. We know none of that stuff's easy. So we need to start actually as an industry messaging out just how important it is what we do. And it's not the processing that's important. It's the conversation, as you said. But to do that, we need to find out well, more what's important and what the problems that we're actually solving. So, you know, bringing all that together to be the disruption, we have to actually, in our businesses, be able to pivot and control our businesses. So, if you think about it, in 2020, as we sang before, the one thing we saw is that accountants have very much still done okay. Like, it's been a good year for most. I've actually seen growth in most of the firms that we work with, and some of them have grown in lots of clients. I have seen where people, you know, obviously we talk to a lot of accountants who aren't yet clients. We are seeing not drops in gross revenue, but certainly in, in net profits, mainly because of not charging and stuff like that. And that's because we haven't we haven't been able to pivot our businesses to meet the opportunity that was COVID. So that's how we be the disruption. We control the messaging and we control how we run our businesses. We still and we use what's happening with the ATO and the changes that may be coming with digitalization to our advantages and opportunities rather than thinking of them as disruptions to us. Yeah, for sure. And this is all going to take bold, boldness, <laughs> boldness and courage, by sounds of it, to be able to yes. take control of the conversation. Yes, and to take the control of the conversation, we need to learn new skills. These skills have not been taught to us and I know I'm going to think that people are feeling a little overwhelmed with what we're saying right now, but we, ha we have to have bold – in Blueprint HQ, if we're going to do our job, we need to have bold conversations as well, and that's what we're doing right now. You know, Esther and I are not feeling comfortable, you know, standing here and, and saying what we just said, but it has to be said because we believe in our hearts that these conversations we have because accountants need to sit as central advisors – there's no question about it. But I know I'm, I'm just fearing that if we don't make these bold statements and start learning and getting into the conversation changes, the business model changes, and then how we approach the people that we even have, that we will be disrupted and we don't want that. For sure. So what do you think is going to stop us from getting there? And particularly, I guess, in going into 2021, we're almost at Christmas time. <laughs> So what's going to stop us even from getting to that next level just in, in a year's time? Yeah, I mean, it has to be done one step at a time and smallly. I think that the awareness that there needs to be change. Okay, the awareness the is the key, isn't it? Yeah, pure awareness that it is here. 
and then the trust that we can help. We know how to do this. We've got this. And, you know, this is a all-in thing in a way, but there will be people who don't need to change. And it depends on where you are with your career and, and everything as well and what your fundamental, you know, values are. The business community needs us to change as well and needs us to meet this so we can then help them, you know, really grow, particularly in the compliance and tax pieces as, you know, all the tax and protection pieces as well as we talk about, but bold statements. So, just to be clear on that, we need to be the disruption and what's blocking it is we need more awareness that we need to change now, but we also need to be able to do this without feeling complete overwhelm because I know what people are thinking right now. I am so tired. I don't even have the time to get out of bed at the moment. And what we do, and I think where's the magic and what I have learned about change is we have to find ways to put this into your every day. So we actually have to get you more efficient on your everyday stuff so you can slowly start the change and get that real, as Jim Collins says, flywheel of change going that you can get that going with everybody in your business. And there is a way to do it. There is absolutely a way to do it. And have yeah. and that takes a bit of belief. Mm, belief would be key to that because change can be very it. scary. <laughs> and yeah. um, often we're resistant to even the smallest, smallest tweaks and smallest mm. things that we have to change as well. So I just want to ask one last question before we wrap up. What's one stereotype or industry myth that's false, that you believe is false and that we need to let go of? That we can't change and that we don't want to. Ah, I wasn't expecting you to say that. <laughs> and I haven't thought about it in that way. So tell us more. What do you mean about by that? Well, I mean that, first of all, if we didn't want to change, we wouldn't be spending all of this money on technology and trying to make ourselves more efficient and going to conferences about advisory or talking about all that sort of stuff. So, and we do spend money on leadership and all of these one stunts. So, if we didn't want to change, we wouldn't be doing that. And we have been doing that. It's just the how do we actually change. And then because we're kind of jammed on that, we get this, oh, accountants can't change. Well, that is BS. Anyone can change and everyone can and we have seen people do it. I'm an accountant and I'm super proud of that and, you know, change is a significant part of my life now. Now, it wasn't. I didn't know how to. So, if we can get the how to and the belief change is possible, that it is anyone can change. And we change every day, every time we get out of bed. So, change is in us. We, every time we get out of bed, we change. So, it's the human condition. We don't want to change because it's uncomfortable, but we do want to change because we're human. So, we can change and I fundamentally just need to have a bit of a belief shift on that. Yeah, that's great. And I think anyone listening to your podcast series are definitely people who are wanting to change. <laughs> so, if you're listening to this, you know you want to take things to the next level and you want to change and implement all of these things. Yeah, absolutely. And don't get overwhelmed with it. It's one step at a time. You just got to decide first of you know, which, and this is where our magic is. We know what the first one is, and then the second one and the third one will give you your biggest bang for your buck every time. Yeah, that's great. So I hope everybody, you got a lot out of today's episode. It was a different episode to usual with me in the hosting seat. 
And thank you, Sam, for your insights. There was so much that we covered. I felt like we could have gone into so many different rabbit holes on everything you were saying. And there's probably a dozen more episodes we could record on everything. But we have to wrap it up at some stage. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. I really enjoyed getting interviewed and it, it helps me, you know, narrow my thoughts too. And I think maybe we should learn for this. We'd love to hear everyone's feedback, what they thought about this kind of style. And um, yeah, really look forward to continuing the conversation with you, Esther. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. To check out more information on all things Sandine and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au. And remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.